You're listening to Below the Radar, a knowledge mobilization project recorded out of 312 Maine. This podcast is produced by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement. Below the Radar brings forward ideas to encourage meaningful exchanges across communities. Each episode, we interview guests on topics ranging from environmental and social justice, arts, culture, community building, and urban issues. This podcast is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Hi there, I'm Maria Cecilia Saba from SFU's Pan City Office of Community Engagement, and this is a great episode that I get to introduce. I'm Yoho, interview some of our friends from Hives for Humanity, who are a pair of incredible community beekeepers and our neighbors at 312 Maine. Sarah Common and Kevin Selasiak join us today to share what Hives for Humanity is all about, creating community connections through apiculture. Hi there. Uh, my name is uh, Am Johal. Delighted you could join us for our podcast again uh, this week. Uh, we're here with Sarah and Kevin from uh, Hives for Humanity. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. Uh, delighted you could um, uh, join us. And I just wanted to begin um, with a question for, for some members of our audience who uh, don't know Hives for Humanity. If you could both talk uh, a little bit about what it is and, and what you do. Sure, I'd love to. Um, so I'm one of the co-founders. We co-founded in 2012 with uh, my mother, Julia, who's a beekeeper, who said yes when I asked her to bring bees into the Hastings Folk Garden right on the 100 block in the downtown east side. Um, and so what, what we found is that the bees thrived, the garden thrived, and people thrived too in there, and we wanted to continue. So we've been working to create those meaningful opportunities for connection to community using the bees in the gardens as a vector, as an opportunity, working to create training and skills-sharing opportunities and to celebrate our community through through all the work of the bees. Great. Kevin, how have you been involved with Hives for Humanity? Well, I go back a little ways with Sarah and all that when she was in other areas. And when I, when she got into the bees, uh, that's I naturally fell in there. Um, my mom was into bees. She used to get honey from the Duke of Boars and all that because she didn't like the sugars and stuff like that. And uh, we, there's all sorts of processes. We can have foot scrubs, hand, hand salves, you know, lip gloss, stuff like that. Kevin and I are covered in wax and honey right now because we were just <laughs> cleaning the wax, the, the cappings from our honey extraction process. We wash those off and we save the water and do it like in a sanitary setting. And then Kevin takes it over to the drinker's brew co-op. Makes mead. Yeah, they do an exchange of uh, homebrew for illicit like street alcohol. And so we're pretty stoked that like even the last of our honey gets put into community. Mm-hmm. And candles. <laughs> Amazing. Um, uh, Sarah, when I uh, first uh, met you here in the downtown east side neighborhood, you were um, working with the Portland Hotel Society, and you eventually um, went on to work with the Drug Users Resource Center. You were managing that for a while, and I think involved with uh, the farm uh, as well. I'm wondering if you can talk uh, a little bit about um, your work at the Drug Users Resource Center and how you kind of transitioned into forming uh, your own organization. Yeah, we got connected. I was part of a, a group at in uh, global resource systems that we're, we're taking a course in the agriculture program out at UBC, Land and Food Systems is the name of the agriculture program out there. And we got connected to the Drug Users Resource Center, which was then called the Life Skills Center, to come in and 
uh, take a look at the food system and address, like sort of identify and then see if we could address food security issues. So I met Kevin there. I met Jim, one of our other beekeepers there. I met a ton of community there. And really what happened for me is that I really felt like our project hadn't really given a lot and that actually what had happened, we had, we had been given a lot by the community as we were students at that like beautiful community that was the Life Skills Center. Um, and so I asked if I could come back and continue to volunteer. And so I sort of started showing up and started showing up more and I got to participate in some of the wellness programming there. I always started then being like, can we bring food in? Can we have a snack? Can we have a meal? Started getting involved in the kitchen program and building training opportunities in the kitchen program. And then kind of organically got then like the next step, which is where are the gardens and what can we start growing to, to bring into those kitchens? So it was that first garden, the Hastings Folk Garden, uh, that I got connected to through the Drug Users Resource Center, where our I started first thinking. Hives too. Yeah, our first hives were there. So yeah. that, that happened there because I started thinking with the community, like Jim and Kevin and other folks who were working there, Robbie and Dennis and Melanie, um, how, how can we have more people in here? How can we have more life in here? How can we get more support for this space? How can we have it be a space that the community is really proud of? And that was, that was the trajectory. So it's really, it's been through food and community and land and building connection to those three things all along. Um, and then through- And jobs. Yeah, building and jobs, right? Jobs. Like what a jobs meaningful, what a meaningful and important place. way. Food yeah. and jobs, it's the, yeah. it's the double, the double hit that can yeah. really do wonder. Yeah. And um, uh, I know there's obviously a very um, rich downtown east side community um, here, uh, where you've both uh, worked in, and so there's a lot of support for this work here. But there's also this sort of community of beekeepers around for Vancouver, sure. rest of Vancouver, and wondering how. You've interacted with uh, other members of the the beekeeping community. I know you've uh, met and, and worked a little bit with Mark Winston and others, but wondering how how the other beekeepers in, in town interact with you. Yeah, it's an amazing network and a network that's been really supportive. And one of the things that we find is when we share a story with beekeepers, they it resonates like immediately. They get it because most beekeepers have had that experience of bees being the thing that connects them to their purpose. And so when we talk about bees being an opportunity for doing that in communities that are experiencing isolation and barriers to stability, where where we're working to create that opportunity for connection, the beekeepers understand it. And it it's you can feel it in the room, that understanding. And so this like outpouring of support from the beekeeping community has included experts coming down and offering training. Uh, yeah, Mark has come for the past five seasons now and taught uh, bee behavior and communication at the Hastings Urban Farm. The provincial apiculturalist sits on our board and has similarly come and taught workshops and so have many of his apicultural team. Uh, Queen Rearing too. Queen Rearers, Phil yeah. Flam, yeah. Heather Higo out of uh, UBC. Um, so, and then in, in addition, the, the beekeeping community has brought us out to their clubs to share the story, has uh, made donations of their time, of their supplies and has spread the word so that we show up now at the BC Honey Producers Association regularly. Um, we're working with beekeepers all over the province. We were, what paper was that this morning? Is that the Metro? Uh, metro, yeah. The Metro, a story we're looking at uh, fungicides and the impact of fungicides on the gut of bees, which prevents them from being able to digest their food. So looking at how beekeepers and blueberry growers can all work together for the bees and for the blueberries and for the people. Um, yeah, it's just this, it's this amazing community and it, 
the interconnection that is in that community and that is felt into the bees and into the land, I think, is the same interconnection that we feel that we feel here. So that there's this reflection of our community of the downtown east side in the bees, and that beekeepers very much feel that reflection of their communities there too. So there's this great like mirror that we can uh, draw inspiration and motivation from and learn a ton from in in the colony of bees. From everybody too. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, you've been involved for a number of years now. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what you found the most fun and interesting in, in working with Hives for Humanities and working with the bees? And Well, when I first started out and all that, it was so expensive to uh, to get educated in bees and stuff like that. I have to take courses you know, from one person where here I, uh, I've got multitudes, like I've got about a dozen pe- uh, bee, uh, you know, super beekeepers that are teaching me every day. I'm still learning, you know, after five, six years of, of being here. I go out into other uh, aspects, you know, woodworking, so that uh, we'll keep our hives up and running and stuff like that. It's low, or, uh, low maintenance, but we need it. And uh, just going to other communities like the Hotel Fairmont, you know, and educating them, you know, trying to get them to use their products in their kitchens and, mm-hmm. and their honeys and stuff like that. Um, Sarah, I've met your mother before, who's who's a beekeeper um, herself, and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about sort of her role in uh, getting you uh, um, working on, on bees and honey and, and all this work, because I think in, in a really interesting way, uh, you worked in the neighborhood, but you also found a kind of project you're really passionate about, and you kind of made it happen. Yeah, well... So yeah, so mom, she's always been a beekeeper. She started beekeeping when she was 21. Uh, so that's like about she, 40 years. <laughs> I won't do the math. <laughs> um, but I didn't know that until I was 26. So it took me my whole life to figure out that she was a beekeeper pretty much. Um, she always kind of had it as her thing on the side, always doing it in partnership and doing it down the road or at a farm across the way. Um, as I was growing up, so there was a, a picture of her from when she was 21 in a, in a bee yard, always in our house, but I don't know, I never put it together. I think that it was when I was 26, 27 that I started conceiving of my mother as like an individual with skills and beliefs and values and a personhood of her own past being my mom um yeah and that synced up with this moment of thinking with the community at the folk garden how we could how we could do more in there so that that timing all came together and that she said yes and and said she would come and teach me how to beekeep in in the community of the downtown east side uh and now we get to learn like all of the skill that she has and all of this passion that she has for the health of the bees and and again like all of that reflection of the bees needs being so similar to our community needs like connection food shelter uh diversity inclusion all of all of these words we apply balance in in the colony and then they're all the words that i think we try and build our communities around so She's this master beekeeper who has a ton of skill, who is our chief beekeeper and manages our 200 colonies is about what we're at. And she provides mentorship both for um, sort of like our our beekeeping team um, and then people who are coming to our workshop. So that, you know, one of the first places I think Kevin did beekeeping was at the folk garden or the farm. Yeah, both places. Both places yeah. early early on getting yeah. in. Started one day a week and then after that I, I, I just fell into it. Yeah, he started he starts showing up everywhere and that's what <laughs> happens. So, you know, he starts showing up at every week workshop and at those workshops we get taught by Mark Winston or Paul Van Westendorp or Julia 
my mother, um, and then starts showing up at the inspection, starts helping to lift, starts coming around on the circles. So we'll do our Rain City bees, our Lookout bees, our Atira bees, our BC Housing bees, our Portland Hotel bees, our Fairmont bees, our Big Rock bees, our VPD bees. Like we'll do this route and go around together where it's me and Kevin lifting and inspecting. Um, and so he's kind of then come through the workshops through to this like mentorship level where now I will say, okay, Kevin, you're going to meet Julia at this time at this location and you guys are going to do these colonies and that's the task for the day. So really she provides this, this mentorship, this expertise in, in looking at the health of the colony. Um, and then, and then we do the work to engage people so that they can get access to, to that skill set. One of the things that you guys have done at Hives for Humanities is to kind of open up a conversation around uh, community ethics with uh, artists and universities that are doing uh, work in the neighborhood. You know, universities have spent many, many years doing work in the neighborhood and sometimes in a really problematic way. And artists are sometimes working in a really extractive way. But wondering if you can talk just a little bit about um, uh, processes and work you've done at Hives for Humanity to kind of elevate this, this conversation. Yeah, I think... Uh, that word extraction is the important one and it's it's the one that we're really trying to uh, acknowledge that that's how so many of these systems are set up and that I mean hives for humanity we and and everything we do and all the projects we engage in we don't want them to be extractive we want them to be built with reciprocal um, philosophy and and practice in place so that's really what the conversation has been around so that when we're when we're thinking about how to be reciprocal with our bees, we're thinking how we can give back to them. So we take the honey, we give back forage and habitat and education to try and change the way that people think about bees, and not just honey bees, but the hundreds of wild species of bees as well. And then in in our project, so if we're working with a filmmaker, a photographer, a journalist, an artist, whoever it might be that is producing something out of the culture that is so strong in this community, the downtown east side, that we're asking what what the gift back is. And so then we've been working through conversations with many of our members and members from other organizations in the, in the neighborhood to have this conversation about what that means. Like what does a reciprocal relationship feel like and look like and what are really practical tools for having that conversation so that I'm not just blindly saying yes to whatever newspaper wants to come and take a photograph of me and Kevin doing beekeeping. Instead, we're asking we're interested in the opportunity. How are you going to acknowledge our time? How are you going to acknowledge this community? What bigger impact, what bigger context does this piece have? Uh, and those are questions that they don't always get talked about. Often it's the people coming in who have the questions for us and who are protecting their interests. And so trying to sort of stand together and have a way to protect some of our interests, which really are um, sharing the joy and skill and love that is rich and is present in this community and that uh, that that can be, I think, a, an amazing model for other communities of, of what it means to be connected and what it means to look out for each other. Um, and Which needs to be needed, you know, everybody watches out for everybody so that it's more progressive. It's, yeah. yeah. We have, we have that here, you know, we walk down the street here in our beekeeping outfits, visiting our different gardens and everyone, everyone says hi. And it's, I mean, yeah, I've been um, working alongside folks in this neighborhood for 10 years now. Kevin, you've been here yeah. 
how long you've been working almost living. 40 almost yeah so it's like <laughs> we know pete's on the street and it's a joy to walk these streets and i don't think that that is the story that is told of this neighborhood but organizations like yours uh, who are celebrating culture and diversity and inclusion in this neighborhood, organization like our friends, the Binners Project, like Megaphone Magazine. Culture Saves Lives. Culture Saves Lives. All these groups working to share the depth of generosity and culture that, that is here. And that's the conversation we want to have. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can just, um, for our um, listeners, if you can, if people are interested in um, knowing to get more information, if you could share your website and also where people can buy your products so they can support uh, wonderful social enterprise like yours. For sure. Thank you for that moment. Uh, we have our websites, hivesforhumanity.com, uh, and there's a products tab there where there's a place where you can find all of our uh, locations. We work with a bunch of different restaurants who feature our honey across town, and we work with many different retailers and sort of gift shops where you can purchase our honey. Ice cream factories. Uh, seasonal ice cream at Ernest. <laughs> There's always honey at East Van Roasters. There's always honey at the window oh, art shop. Yeah. Um, and Time you can also email info at hivesforhumanity.com to get, to get hooked up with that sweet stuff. And you can also find, if you kind of read through our blog or if you look for community ethics on our page, you can find that empowering informed consent card. Facebook, um, Instagram. We got the Facebook and the Instagram. Yes. So you can uh, you can also come down to 312 Main and drop in and say hi. Um, and you can check in on our calendar for our, our public events. Uh, or swing by one of the apiaries, our therapeutic apiaries in the spring summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so wonderful to have you guys here and so wonderful to be neighbors with you in the 312 uh, main space. And I know that you guys were working this morning even, oh, yeah. and you're smelling like honey. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. For sure. Thanks, Sam. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Kevin and Sarah as much as we did. Thanks to both of them for giving us some of their time and sharing their stories. Thanks to David Steele for the awesome music. And as always, thank you to the production team. Jamie Lee Gonzalez, Melissa Roach, and myself all work with Amio Hall at SFU's Ben City Office of Community Engagement, and we're very fortunate to have Hives for Humanity as one of our longtime community partners. Our next episode features another community organization that we are very lucky to be partnered with. You'll hear from Megaphone ED Jessica Hannon and one of their incredible vendors, Peter Thompson. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>